Welcome to the Into the Wilderness podcast. This is, in fact, the second part of the live show that we did at December time-ish. Which was a live phone-in for Which anybody lot, to call in yep. and express their opinions and ask questions. Uh, last last week, uh, Byron wasn't in the studio. I was by myself, talking to myself. He's oh, back yeah, again. you did all the introductions. I did, I did all the introductions, so I'm back again. And we said last week that there would be an interim podcast between these two shows this one you're listening to now but we've decided we're going to bring you this one sooner and then we'll give you an interim show in a week's time and there's a very good reason for that but we're not going to tell you about that yeah so tune in in one week not the usual two weeks but in one week and uh yeah listen to the show and from next week onwards so you you, you can watch this live show on youtube uh but it was the live phone-in show but from next week onwards all of the shows will be recorded on YouTube. And there is now a new YouTube channel for that, which is Pace Brothers Podcast. So you can check that out. It doesn't change anything for those people who don't want to watch that and uh, listen to this on iTunes. That'll all remain exactly the same. It's just that if you really feel inclined to, you can go and watch us and, more importantly, our guests. Yeah, so, I mean... Most of our listeners are on iTunes. We're now in the thousands, so thank you very much. But it means that if you are like, I wonder what this guest looks like. Yeah. Or I wonder what Byron and Daryl look like right now, <laughs> if you want to see us. You can go on YouTube and check us out. But please carry on downloading on iTunes and all the, the other platforms, which is Stitcher, SoundCloud. We're getting more and more people listening on SoundCloud, which is uh, very cool. Yeah, it must be people watching on the desktop, I guess. Yeah, it must be. But yeah, keep doing what you're doing. But on this week's uh, podcast, on it was a live phone-in. It was a very relaxed uh, podcast. and uh, We didn't really know what to expect. No, because, we didn't know uh, what to expect. People were bringing up all manner of things. Um, so yeah, there's lots of interesting debate we, on this we one. We apologize for the bad line. I think it's yeah, it's very close. Sergio, to, was it? Yeah, very close to the, the beginning. So we apologize for the bad line, but uh, we will be speaking to the director of SACS during this. Who, of course, are the organization who um, support and, and sponsor this podcast and make it possible for us uh, to actually bring this to you every two weeks. Um, so yeah, he'll be on the line and talking about what they've been up to. Um, if you want to know a little bit more about them, you can check them out on Facebook. If you put Scottish Association for Country Sports into Google, you will find yep, their find um, website as well. Yep. Thank you very much for listening. Hello, welcome to the Into Wilderness podcast. Who are we speaking to? Hi, this is... This is Colin from New York. Ah, Colin, you're back on. It's a clear line. Yes. Yeah, that's a bit better. Thanks for taking the time to call back. No, it's been uh, it's been a very good, uh, enjoyable show to listen to, and uh, you know, and I've uh, I must say your pilot episode um, that I found on YouTube, either via suggestion or maybe from Facebook, is is absolutely stunning. The the cinematography and the the whole feel and the the sort of, uh, I guess, the, the emotion that goes into... Oh, we, re- we really th- appreciate that. Thank you very much. We, we've, been, we've been hard at work filming our latest, our series, our first series, uh, over the last f- few months now, and and I like to think we've upped our game a bit. So, yeah, I hope so. Uh, from hope the so. pilot episode, and we've had great support from our various sponsors as well. Well, we might as well give them a mention now, actually, because we wouldn't be able to do... When we made, just for people who are listening and for yourself, when we made that pilot episode, we basically had an idea. 
we, we had an idea of what we wanted to do and what we wanted to show people. And then we, but we obviously needed to be able to afford to do that. So we went out um, to the industry and we approached some people that, uh, and companies that we wanted to work with. And we were really lucky that the first four companies we approached said, yeah, we like what you have to show us with the, what, just what you've explained. And I think my brother will stick up the pilot episode just in case no one knows what we're talking about. So uh, Fortis Clothing are our clothing sponsor. Uh, Vortex Optics um, provide all of our optics. Um, Scottish Association for Country Sports, uh, who also bring you this podcast, uh, they, they, you know, they're supporting everything we do, which is r- such a, a massive help. And Castrum as well, they provide us with. It's hard to say what they provide us with because it's so many it's, different things: knives, e- e- everything, lanterns, uh, c- reindeer skins. E- every time, every time we we get something through the post from Castrum, it's actually a surprise what we get. <laughs> yeah, because it's so varied. But no, thank you so much for your comments on that, and uh, keep your eye out. Probably middle of January, end of January, because there's a whole brand new trailer coming out about three minutes of the stuff we've been doing the last couple of months. And uh, the new series launches sometime at the start of February. Uh, it's going to be launched at the British Shooting Show. Yes. But it'll be I, online I, as well. Because I can, I can appreciate the sort of the level of work that must go into to producing a, uh, a video of that quality as well. And uh, well, the one thing I would add is it is. It's filmed by me and Byron. It's edited by me and Byron. And one of the hardest things uh, is lumping your kit up the hills and, and trying to use it. And the biggest problem we've had, I don't, I don't know if anyone's noticed, and I bet you have in the UK, it's been raining for, for like two months. For two months now. <laughs> um, which causes problems. Yeah. But I mean that that aside, um, was there anything else that was uh, you know on your mind particularly? Are you what is your background? Do you do hunting? That I, I don't imagine you're doing much hunting in New York. <laughs> no. So my background is English, um, and my background actually started uh, with a simple air rifle, as you were you know mentioning. It's a great way with your previous caller about how to get into you know the shooting sports. Back in 1987, I, won, I asked my father, can I get an air rifle? And he said, no, but if you join a club, I'll, I'll buy you an air rifle. So I, I found a local target shooting club in the south of London and got an air rifle after a few months. And I shot a busily for many years, and now I've moved to the U.S. I am shooting competitions here, uh, USPSA and three gun. But the, the whole reason I wanted to sort of call was, you know, going on, I guess, mentioning... Ricky Gervais's name and all of the, the negative social comments that that people make about hunting. Um, I think nowadays there is a complete disconnect from uh, people that, that eat meat and get meat um, from the supermarket or you know buy a burger. They have no no emotional attachment or no understanding of where that meat has actually come from. Um, you know, and I'm, I'm wanting to get in, into hunting here in the, in the U.S. or so it's hard close to New York. I've got to move to go out to Pennsylvania down to, to uh, Virginia to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've been watching a lot of sort of how-to videos on, you know, how to quarter an elk, uh, yeah. you know, how to, to, to skin a deer, you know, how to cut out the back straps. And even just watching the YouTube videos, you know, I, I haven't got my hands dirty. I haven't got them bloody yet. I have a, a lot more of a creation of where my you know chicken that I pick up at the local supermarket comes from mm. for our thanks for our Thanksgiving turkey you know I I had to clean it out and you know and wash it and I was very I guess more mentally aware that 
you know, that this was a, a live animal that had been killed and you know, now I was going to be eating it. Um, you know, I, I want to get into hunting and a lot of people I work with, I work with a bunch of Brooklyn hipsters, you know, and a lot of people here, are, you know, there is sort of a movement of people who want to get back into those skills that, that we once had, you know, yeah. talking to, to grandfathers and older people, you know, they used to go out and shoot rabbits or shoot pigeons and pheasants, you know, it was something that people used to randomly do in any old bit of wood, you know, even in the south of London. But mm. the fact that you can get anything in Tesco's now, even ostrich meat, you know, people people aren't going to be excited about, you know, if um, Emu, you know, on the children's TV show got killed, but, you know, no, they're happy to buy an ostrich. Uh, yeah, you know, just just listening to what you were saying there, I do wonder if sometimes, you know, as hunters, you know, we know why we we do what we do as real hunters, and we 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 are obviously quite hard on people who are are quick to throw it in our faces and say, you know, why don't you go and shop at Tesco? But I suppose we should, if we were to stand back a little bit and think about how detached the modern world is or has become compared to just exactly what you were describing, you know, th- as things used to be where you would go out the back garden with your granddad and you'd go and shoot a few pigeons roosting in the tree and, you know, you'd probably cook them and eat them the following day or that night. That doesn't really happen that often anymore. And if you lose that detachment, even just by one generation, it becomes quite difficult to get back in that and, and actually have that direct correlation between dead animal and food on my plate. And I think I would definitely encourage anybody, the the next time you sit down for dinner, tomorrow night, you sit down for dinner, look at what's on your plate. If there's a type of meat on your plate, what is it? And then go and Google how that's killed in an abattoir, because that's the raw reality. Yeah, there's a brilliant video on YouTube, uh, not YouTube, on Netflix called Food Inc., which goes through, you know, explains all about the uh, sort of the, the food abattoir processing industry. And there are some horrific videos about how those animals are treated. But, you know, you know, you guys going out and shooting a, a deer or when I get out to go and, and shoot them, um, you know, that's going to be a lot more humane and, and the, the animal will be treated with a lot more respect. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also it's to know that when you're eating chicken or venison you're actually eating chicken or venison you're not eating horse <laughs> which uh, of course uh, we've talked about this in a previous podcast goes back to two three years ago where to everyone's shock and horror their one pound pack of mints where they got five kgs of it was horse and they were surprised by it i mean personally i i would be i i was you know i'm slightly annoyed if i am eating beef i want to be eating beef if i'm eating horse i want to be eating horse i want to know what it is um i guess that's we're going to go into this later on buying local and supporting local farmers and so on i guess that 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 moves along the lines of traceability of your meat when you go out and hunt you're fully in control of where your food comes from yeah yeah and i think in this day and age every every red-blooded man should be learning these skills and i think we do need to go back to, to knowing what our grandfathers knew how to do you know growing our own vegetables we started to grow vegetables in our garden and the, tom- the tomatoes i say tomatoes tomatoes mm. but yeah uh, <laughs> they taste better better than we buy in the store yeah no, you know that is we probably don't touch on that enough as hunters 
But what you've just said there about vegetables is also another key point because it basically covers the same the same topics. Whereas we're talking about meat and you know wild meat versus farmed meat and you know the, the ethical basis of that. There was a program that was run quite recently by I think it was Hugh Fernley, and he was looking at the vast amount of vegetables that are thrown away every year in this country and around Europe because they don't conform to the regulations. Wrong shapes. They're the wrong shapes. Yeah, nothing wrong with yeah. them at all, but they get dumped. It's tons and tons and of it. When he did the survey with the people outside the supermarkets, most of them couldn't care less. And yet the supermarkets are insistent on having this particular size, shape, and weight of your, your turnips and your carrots. And that is as big an issue as the meat issue, but you know, doesn't get brought up that often, although it was really great. I mean, I have a huge amount of time for Hugh Fernley. I think he's done a lot of great for exactly what we're trying to do. You know, he's a, he's a man in the public eye. You know, he's a chef and he has, you know, he, he captures audiences and he is trying to bring that to the forefront, but in a way that doesn't get him, you know, kicked off television totally, which has happened to, you know, some people who have tried to push it too far, too fast. Yeah. I don't know if you have the... Um the sort of trend in, in the UK that we have here in, in the US now is um, a lot of restaurants are advertising the thing farm to table where they, they won't source any products or, um, you know, produce meat from sort of further than 50 miles. So, you know, often on the menu it will list where all of the ingredients and where the animal, you know, has come from. Um, you know, so there is, thankfully, uh, it, it tends to be more high-end food mm-hmm. based for the cost of things, but... You can you can adopt a, a farm to table or a more a true organic lifestyle if you are growing and also then sourcing. I think the problem is hunting. Hunting is, has such a negative term. Maybe it should just be rebranded to food gathering. Food gathering. Yeah, I I, th- I think we we do have a little bit of that here. Uh, the one place I've eaten personally, uh, and it was a gift from my girlfriend's parents actually last year or the year before, was Tom Kitchen. Uh, who's a chef here, and he has mm, at least two restaurants in Edinburgh. And when you sit down at his table in his restaurant, he actually gives you a map, and it shows you where all the produce... And it's not 50 miles, but he likes to source from Scotland. And it shows you Mm -hmm. on a map where all of the produce on his menu comes from. And I really like that touch. So I knew if I was eating the venison, it came from this particular estate in this area. And that connection, as a hunter, I really appreciated. Yeah, brilliant. All right, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna get back to yes, work. Yes, get back to work. Thank you so much for calling all the way from all the way from New York. Thank you very much. <laughs> Stay well. Thank you. Have a great day. I'm looking forward to the new shows coming out. Brilliant. Thank you. Okay. Appreciate it. Thank you. Bye. Now, uh, I am I am aware that people have been trying to get hold of us. We've got more missed calls. We now are up to fourteen missed calls. Um, Please call in. Uh, it doesn't actually take very long. It's not been taking very long. We, we were terrified. That, oh, okay, here we go. Hello, welcome to the Into the Wilderness podcast. Hello, good afternoon or good evening. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, who are we speaking uh, to? Who, who's speaking to? I'm um, speaking to Sergio. Uh, I'm from Scotland. Ah, uh, hi, Sergio. No, I, I, I don't know you but i know you kind of from facebook so yes thank you very much for taking the time to phone in i know you were trying to get hold of us earlier and thanks for persevering so it does work sorry well i'll just button there if you are trying to call 
just persevere and we will get round to you. We're having a lot of people calling, so thank you so much and thank you to everybody watching. Send us a message on our Facebook page, Podcast Into the Wilderness. What is on your mind yeah. tonight? Uh, you are up in Aberdeen, if I'm not mistaken. That's right, yes, Aberdeenshire, yeah. Mm-hmm. And what do you well, do up there? You know, I always... Um, well, basically, a long, short story is I came over from Portugal for a holiday. Um, and that's 12 years ago. So, I am up staying. Love the place, love the, love the weather. You love the weather? <laughs> you mean this weather we're having right now? Well, you know, it's not boring. In Scotland, if you don't like the weather, like five minutes. Lately, been a little bit more than five minutes, but... <laughs> And yeah, it's not boring at least, you know. Yeah, yeah, sure. Also, can be can be can be pretty gruesome, the forty degrees and then freezing cold in the winter. So it's just different. So I love it. Yes, and the main main thing is hunting. Of course, I love hunting. And what um, what what hunting did you do in Portugal before you came here? I'm intrigued. Well, that is um is a thing. There's one thing that uh, Portugal we have to apply for a license. Um, you have to have, apply for a hunting license. And then you specify what you want to hunt. For example, I was just small game with a shotgun. So you apply for a that license. You have an exam. You have to pass that exam, which you have one chance in a year. And if you pass, you have to pass the exam of handling a gun. They have to show you that you are safe. If you pass that, you have a hunting license. Then you apply for your firearm license. Uh, and then they get that, and then you buy a hunting license permit, and you are allowed to hunt for just specific times of the year. Um, so it's a lot more restrict than it's here. So before um, before you can actually apply and own your firearm, you have to pass a lot of hunting tests. Is that correct? That's right. Yeah. Okay. And a lot of people may not like it, but I I think we are lack of that in here, and then. Um, and one of the reasons that we see um, sort of expression a little bit of jackasses around the guns. And in my personal opinion, uh, you shouldn't be allowed to have a gun without understanding a little bit of the nature itself. Um, so, not a good idea of buying a gun and then go learn as you go. Uh, other things, that's my personal opinion. You know? So having come from Portugal, where that is the requirement to own and hunt, what do you make of the laws that we have here? Do you think, I mean, it, it's, it's, we have very restrictive gun laws in terms of gun ownership, but it is, once you own a gun, it's not that difficult to go out hunting. You need to have permission, um, but you don't need to necessarily know a lot. I mean, do you right. agree or yes. disagree with that? Mm-hmm. I agree. I think it's fantastic the way we do it here. And if I could, I would join both, if you know what I mean. So I don't think, you know, knowledge never be bad to anyone. So if we learn the way migration of the birds do and how much much of eggs they put, and if we understand wildlife, we became better hunters. So I think everybody should go through exam, at least to learn. So to learn what we are hunting, you don't know. I love all sorts of hunting, but specific deer stalking. So I take the time to learn the behavior of the animal that I'm hunting. That's what makes me successful. So but if I buy a gun, I apply for a license like I do here. And I'm, by the way, I don't think that's that difficult. And people think that the laws are restricted in the UK. Yes, they are. But if you have a reason, they are easy. So you just apply and you get it, as long as you are not you know, um, a nutshell. But, uh, but if you understand what you go after, the animal that you want to hunt or pursue, and why you want to do it, 
you became more successful. And, you know, knowledge, it's, it's far better than just buying a gun and then go and find out what you can shoot, what you cannot shoot. I don't agree with that. So, I mean, are you you're aware of our deer management qualifications that you have? Your level one, level two that you do in the UK. I do have my level one, yes, and I'm professed to get my level two. Yes. So, would would I'm forgive me if I'm wrong, but are, are you suggesting that maybe what should be the case is that in order to hunt, you should actually have your level one and level two before you're allowed to go and kill something? Mm-hmm. Not necessarily. No. The, the idea of behind of the level one, level two is specific for deer. What we have, the way a lot of European countries have, is exam on on um, on all of it, not just specific for deer. You have exam that you have to, for example, you know the exam that I passed on on in Portugal. I had to know the difference between a diving duck and a surface duck. You know. I probably was never going to hunt ducks anyway, but I need to know what the difference between a diving duck and a surface duck. So, for example, a diving duck has to flap the water, run, before it takes off. A a surface duck just takes off. (laughs) So I know that because they forced me to, not force me, if I want the exam, I need to know it because there's 30 questions and I only were allowed to miss three or or five, sorry, five. So I I have to learn a book. And I think that is good. I think that is brilliant because that way you understand wildlife better. So do you think we should have something similar here in this country then? Like a DMQ, but for everything else that we hunt? Uh, I think you should, you know, you should at least know the basis basis of of the natural world itself, you know, the animals that we have in the country and the time of the year they breathe, the time of the year they have young, why we... You know, we shoot it. We don't, for all the species, we don't have seasons. Okay, mm-hmm. but it's model for yourself to go out and decide if you want to shoot it or not, you know. So, for example, like the rabbits, pigeons, foxes, there is no seasons. And, but it's up to yourself, you know, I specifically myself, I don't go out and run for foxes unless I'm asked to, you know. Not because I love foxes, I do respect them because to me they are fantastic animals. But, um, I don't go out day in day out to to lump foxes. Could be another debate on that, but it's my way my way of thinking, I suppose. You know, if I'm out stalking, doesn't matter if it's the bigger road deer in the world. If I see a fox, I'll shoot it first. But that's the way I do my fox control. If you know what I mean, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, I mean, it, it's an interesting point. I think that I, I think I partly agree with what you're saying. I think everybody. They should, if you're going to go and hunt something, I think you should learn about it. Absolutely. I think you should know everything that you could possibly know about the quarry that you want to hunt. I think that shows respect for the quarry. And it also is your own responsibility, obviously, to know if there are seasons required for the animal. I don't know, however, whether we should be enforcing um, regulation in terms of certificates that you have to pass. You know, all is different for yourself because you were born here. Yeah. Okay. It's difficult. It's difficult for the people from here because they don't know any other way. Mm. For example, Switzerland, Austria. You've been there. You have to pass a, um, a competitive test or do some shooting every year to get to granted to get granted the license to see if you are you know if your shot or your shooting is is good enough for that specific time that you are hunting. And there's some countries that they, they, they do that or a year or five, five years or whatever it is. So there is things, you know, 
here we have that that excuse that you know the main the main focus in the UK is to be able to grant it a rifle, you know, and as long as you have a reason to have a rifle, you have a rifle. Then you learn as you go, and sometimes that can be a bit of you know can can backlash to our own perspective because people post as you was mentioned earlier pictures on Facebook, and I do it myself. I post a lot of few pictures on Facebook. I post pictures with foxes. I post pictures with many things, but I do respect. And right smile when I post a, when I post a picture of whatever I feel, and if if I smile or when I smile is because I'm proud of the good job that I just done. You know, okay. yeah, uh, not no. because not because I'm I blow the head of a fox or you know you don't care less. The animal is dead. You know, yeah, you, was, that is your respect. You're not gloating over the death. It's the respect of doing the good job. I, under, I understand that. And I think, you know, that I'm not a big fan of the classic trophy, uh, in inverted commas, trophy shot. But I, there's a lot of anti-hunters take exception to people smiling in photographs with no, you know, no, dead no smiling. Yeah, well, <laughs> that would be what they want. Yeah. But I, I think it, it definitely is misunderstood because it's not pleasure in the death. It's pleasure in, in, in the process that it's taken to get to that point. For, for example, I took, I took two years ago, my wife shot her first buck, her first draw. I was proud of myself because when I started hunting, and my wife did not, didn't have any background of hunting. And now she only has a pickets, she has a rifle, she has a shotgun. And when, I got the, when she got the first air gun, she said she didn't kill a rabbit. I thought, I, one way or another, No, I, th lost I, think, I think we've lost him. Are you still there, Sergio? I'm here. Oh, you are still Hello? there. Good. Sorry, we lost yeah. you. We, we lost, lost you just for a second. Yeah. But you, uh, you were saying that about your wife uh, wanting to when she shot her first yeah, robot. So, yeah, so so she, she from no, no background whatsoever, and she didn't want to kill nothing. With understanding, she, she shot a first deer two years ago. We were waiting. My parents were also partial. They looked after the wee one, and we went out stalking. She shot it, and the first concern when we got close to the animal is where the shot was. She really put the bullet through the heart, and she smiled, and she kind of got an adrenaline shot, and she was smiling because she was worried the shot not be perfect. When I cleaned I the deer, and I told her to take a picture, I blurred her face, and she smiled the camera. There is no way that she was smiling because she was happy to kill that animal. No, she was smiling because she did a good job. Yeah, I appreciate that. Through yeah. the heart of the animal. Yeah. So it, when it comes down to pictures and trophy pictures, anything can be a trophy. Mm -hmm. You know, a trophy to me is the way we stock an animal down. To some people, maybe the size of the head. But a, a photo is just, just a frozen moment. And the interpretation after that many people have is a totally different thing, you know. So we're never going to beat that, you know. Uh, that's now, my opinion again. I want to ask you about a project which I know you're working on from my conversation with you on Facebook. But before I do that, um, Daryl, do you want to give everybody the number one more time? And also, in terms of topics coming up, for people who are listening, maybe someone else can pick up on what Sergio is talking about. About, <clears throat> Excuse me, I need, I need choking on myself there. Uh, about people, the requirement to learn more about the quarries. But also, we, we also want to touch on driven grouse John Muir Trust, the very top yeah, right fact, now. Because we're we're going to be ringing that up very shortly. Yeah, John, John Muir, Muir Trust. Trust. Uh, tail docking, that's another another great one. And uh, lead ammunition. So there's a couple of things to think about if anyone wants to 
talk about those. Maybe you can phone in next. But so the, the, uh, so, so the number is 0131-618-8885. Thank you very much for everyone that is watching right now. And we are aware there are still people trying to call us and we can't. they can't get through right now. We will get to you eventually. But Byron's just given you a few things that we are going to bring up um in the yeah, very near future very near future in this uh podcast but Sergio just um maybe just to finish up can you tell us about this project that you're working on it's a really interesting one with regard to getting people into people into hunting right i, I always introduce a lot of young people to hunting i believe in sharing and the difference between us and um, the anti-hunting community i kind of i kind of compare ourselves to a pride of lion and the, and the herd of buffalo we, we are predators, so we kind of are solitary predators, right? We don't like when other predators come into our patch, mm-hmm. okay? So when when we have that nervous in other areas, like the, the hunting hunting community, they just like the corners to one corner and nervous, nervous, nervous. The way that the way I see it, the same way the buffalo do to a, a private alliance. So we need to make understandings. We need to introduce a lot more people, not people that actually want to do it, but people not probably not even is born yet. And my understanding of that is we have to introduce ladies. I really believe that ladies are the future of shooting. And before we introduce kids, we have to introduce their mom if they even are born. So in conversation with my friend of mine that, you know, I speak about hunting a lot. I work in a hunting shop and I take a lot of photos for people for passports because we do the photos for they kind of took off, and a lot of men come through the photos. And because it's a big hunting shop and we have stuffed animals everywhere, a lot of moms get curious. And I spend my day a lot sometimes trying to educate people. And they come in with one idea and go home with a different idea. So basically, we came from a friend of mine that she was a vegetarian for 27 years. And she been, I've been speaking to her for some time. And I was so passionate about what I'm saying about hunting. She got curious and she wanted to find out. So I asked her, if, you, if I take you out, would you shoot a deer? Or would you stop with me? And she said, yes, but she'd like to try to eat it as well. Brilliant. So that idea born there. So I come up with an idea. I, I spoke to my boss. And I said, right, I'm going to put a post. I want 12. I'm going to give a challenge myself. I'm going to take 12 ladies hunting. 12, 12, ladies, 12, ladies, 12 hunting. ladies hunting. I, I think there might be, yeah. uh, if you weren't a married man, I would say there were other benefits there. But no, I mean, on a serious note, I think it's a I, marvelous I, idea. I just want to cut in quickly and say if there is any female hunters out there oh, listening, yeah. please get in touch because we want to delve a bit further into female hunting and public profile and so on. But so you want to take 12 females hunting and introduce them for the first time. How That's how right. can how can you, if you're a female hunter out there how can you be involved in what you're doing? Um, I'll talk again. I, I can catch Hello. Sorry, Hello? can sorry. you hear us? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Say again. Sorry, I'm not catching that. Sorry, I was just back? saying you want to take 12, 12 ladies, introduce twelve female hunters to to stalking. I That's assume right, here yeah. it's gone. If you're if there's ladies listening or somebody knows. A lady who would like to be involved, how can they be involved in this project? Right. I run a page called Circuit Wild Harvest. It's my, my, it's a page that I run that is just 
you know, a lot of people don't like to call it harvest, but to me, when I go out stalking or hunting is what I'm doing. We'll we'll so put your I'm page up on our page. We'll we'll put our page yeah. up for people to see shortly. So and I put a, a note and I shared some Facebook pages and I was overwhelmed with the response. So have people contact me from Finland, from America, and I was gobsmack how people were willing to travel that far for free stocking, you know, because everything will be free. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I got overwhelmed kind of Overnight, we have a lot of ladies. To so I went with the project, you know, with the you know selection and speaking to the ladies. So I came down to assess you. So I have a, I already chosen the ladies. So there is no there is no availability. I could actually take twenty four, but I just can't. I don't have the manpower or the time to do it. So I will do it over the winter. This winter will start from the year the, the first year, and then next year, let's say. And now we'll film every single hunt separate. So to begin with, I was going to offer one outing to each lady. But I found it would be unfair. So I'm going to offer a full day to each lady. A, so full, full, a full day stalking. That's incredible. I mean, really, you know, absolutely hat off to you for that. I think that's such a marvelous, marvelous thing to do. And I think you, you've really tackled an area which is really important. And that's female hunters get a lot of hard time those who are already involved and it's great to support them the, you know those who are doing it correctly and also encourage more in and uh we're, we've just found your link we're going to go and stick it up on our page now and anybody else can can check it out and see what you're all about but i think that's such a great project and i really wish you the best of success with it and thank you very much thank for joining in as well thank, thank you, you for, for calling no no problem thank you for having me okay, okay. bye for now stay thank well you. Uh, okay, bye now. Thank you for, for everyone listening so far. Um, there's quite a few of you listening, and I, we are aware that the, the phones, we're still getting missed calls. Uh, please call in again, and it's never too long before someone calls in. Hopefully. I, I'm, I'm I, gonna, I need a break so I can go get a drink. I know, I need a drink too. Of water. Oh, yeah, of water. Yeah. Um, so find our podcast, Podcast Into the Wilderness, on Facebook. Now, we have quite a few shows out ready. This is our first live show for people that have just tuned in. They're all on iTunes. That is the easiest way. But if you don't have a Apple phone, uh, you can download Stitcher. And they're all on there on the, the Stitcher store. And you can download them on demand. Now, thank you very much to Nod1980, uh, who's listening to us between deliveries. In, I'm assuming in a van or a car. Thank you very much for listening. Well, I just, uh, Gary Latcham, he actually just messaged a minute ago, said that there's nothing better than listening to a podcast uh, about fox shooting and hunting, which we have been talking about while out foxing. So, <laughs> great. Where he, I think he, he should be concentrating on the job at hand. But. He must have good internet. Wherever we go, there's nothing. There's no way to listen to anything. But we, we have some very interesting topics coming up. And we do want to hear hear from some female hunters. Yeah, we'd, that'd be great. we'd love to have uh, someone involved in hunting um, against or for. We, we we would really like to have somebody against on, but um, I think trying to get them to tune in is the hard well, part. Well, I mean, we we to be di- fair, we did put it we, on those we pages. Di- we did put it on. We extended the hand, and it was slapped down hard. Yeah. Um, they the simple matter of the fact is that we want everyone involved. This this podcast. Um, you know, it's, it's supported, um, by Saks and, but they, they have no say in what we are talking about. There's, you know, they're not, they're not, not got a, a gun to our head or anything. 
uh, to say it that way. Um, and we do want everyone involved and we want people to learn about this. This is why we're, we're doing this. And this is the, the first live uh, event that we're having and hopefully we'll do a few more. But I'll tell you what we're going to do right now because the phone hasn't rung for the first time since we're doing this is we need a bit of refreshment. So we're going to actually play you a tune, uh, which is also a first for our podcast, by one of our... Who are we going to play first, Alex or Davey? We're going to play, uh, we're going to play Alex. And uh, just just in case anyone is thinking that we are being... Uh, oh, oh Barn. Sorry, sorry. Premature there. Um, just in case anyone's thinking we're rude being on our phones and stuff like that, we are interacting with people on social media uh, while we're doing this podcast. So that's why we're on our phones. We're not like paying Candy Crush or anything or Farmville on our phones. And I've got my laptop in front of me. So we are doing a few things at once. So just bear with us when we're trying to respond to to people and so on. But we are going to just play you a track. We've got 2 minutes 45 to get a drink, Byron. Okay, I'm sure we'll manage. Uh, this, is, uh, this is by uh, Alex Hume and... He has done some music for us in the past. Um, he's a great guy. We'll put up his link. He's on got some really good, really, cool really good music. Really good stuff coming out soon. So he's. Uh, we're going to put this on. We're just going to have a two-minute break so we can get uh, a drink and a refresher, and then hopefully someone will call in. So right, two minutes thirty of music. Two minutes forty-five. <laughs> Byron's broken it. What why what have you done, Byron? I don't know. So so we were gonna have a break. Um and Byron has broken the, the machine that lets us play the, the music. So let let's uh I, I don't actually know what he's doing. Let let me do this. You you can talk to the good people because now now people are probably leaving the show because you're doing <laughs> okay, some you ridiculous stuff. I I do all the tech here. He's just clicking the screen. <laughs> You click the screen and make it work. Uh, we mentioned it earlier, th- topics that we would really like to cover. John Muir Trust, that was in the news just this week. Um, 81, 87, I can't remember how many deer exactly. Uh, I think you're wrong. I think it was 86. It was 86. Okay. <laughs> I was close. It was in the 80s. Were found dead up in a fairly small area and hadn't been, hadn't been taken off the hill and consumed. They had just been shot and left and, and were found rotting. And for good reason... A lot of people have taken exception to that, and a lot of hunting organizations have taken exception to that. So we would really like to, to hear your view on it, and if there are actually any John Muir Trust members out there, it would be brilliant to hear from your point of view. And a little bit later on when we do talk about that, we'll, we'll bring up what, you know, what they have on their website and what, what they stand for and discuss it a little bit more. But I think, have you sorted the technical I, th- I think I've sorted it. Um, so please bear with us. We're just having a very, very short break and we're going to play you one of Alex's tracks right now. We'll put up a link to his music if you like it. Uh, if you don't like it, I apologize. I really like it. Um, but bear with us, please. We're going to get a drink and we've got so many more things to discuss. This is the moment of truth, whether it works or not. I'm out of the dark into the night. Skies above me, there's no end in sight. And I'm tired of the pressure, oh, and the whip from above. Always in darkness with no light to but I'm out of the dark, won't play your part. See my heart is cold. 
to myself. We've uh, actually let the let the music carry on for a little bit. We're just uh, having a little bit of a chinwag ourselves. We, we'll, we will be with you very shortly. A few minutes. I'm glad this is carried on playing, but you, you're still listening to Alex, so... And uh, welcome back. We've got a drink now, so we're, uh, we're, we're good to go. And uh, we've got a few topics to go. Thank you to everyone that has called so far and everyone that is listening. Uh, we, we obviously just had to have a short break there. So if you've just joined us or you just joined us and we're just listening to music, 
we are discussing everything hunting countryside bushcraft everything we we've we've discussed a huge array of topics and uh, if you want more information head to podcast into the wilderness facebook page so what are we going to talk about next byron well, I do, be- I do believe that we are about to get a call in, uh, but in the meantime, uh, we will talk about grouse shooting. Driven um, grouse shooting. Now, this is something that me and Byron have actually been heavily involved in in the last few months. Well, since, since, no, since basically the start of the grouse season this start year. Start of the grouse August. season, not in terms of shooting ourselves at all. Um, but in terms of everything to do with it, I mean, we we made a film, um, the untold story, driven grouse shooting for the Angus Glen's Merlin Group. It's been seen by almost thirty thousand people. Yeah, now. it won't be far off. Uh, well, actually, it will be over thirty thousand between Facebook, Vimeo, and YouTube. Uh, uh, if you want to know about the well exactly the title the untold story behind driven grouse shooting all the stuff that doesn't get talked about all the behind the scenes aspects the social interaction the economic benefits the people it supports check that video out we will put that link like everything else on our facebook page and twitter yeah it will be and we we continue to make um films as well we made the untold story uh modern gamekeeper Uh, yeah if you're if you're a young keeper at college or you want to be a keeper that's definitely a film to check out. It you is hear from you know from from the very sixteen-year-olds, yeah, sixteen-year-olds who are doing it right now, uh, which is good. And I hope anyone that's watched it has enjoyed has enjoyed it so far. A lot of hard work, a lot of credit needs to be given to the young gamekeepers and the the older gamekeepers uh, who've all done such a good job on film. I mean, you know, these people are you know they, they went to college, they became gamekeepers. They never expected to be put behind cameras. And they've done such an amazing job. But we are going to talk about driven grouse shooting, Byron. Yeah, I think that, you know, the first port of call for anybody wanting to look into that is definitely the new Merlin groups that have been set up. Uh, The Angus Glen's Merlin group, group, which is where we live, was the first. It's probably the biggest still, I think. I I think so. It was, yeah, I think it must still be the the biggest. We've got a phone call coming in. So, oh, no, it's it's gone. No, no, they've decided not to call us anymore. (laughs) Um, but they they really are a great hub of information because they are set up by the local communities and they're really very much for the local communities and making sure that people can understand exactly what they're all about. It's not some big organization. It's very much about the families and it is very much about locally what's going on. Um, Angus Glen's Merlin Group have a Facebook page. There's also, a new one just been set up, Grampian. Grampian, yeah, they've yeah. they've just been set up, which is on our doorstep as well. But well, they're it's on the, your doorstep because you live over the water. Actually, I live over the water, so I I live in Grampian, and uh, like Byron said, it's it's a hub of information to see what's going on in in the area to do with gamekeepers and grouse shooting, not just grouse shooting, deer stalking. Oh, we got got a call coming in. We'll just take this. Hello, welcome to the Into the Wilderness podcast. Well, show, I should say, because we're not actually doing a proper podcast right now. Who, who, who are we speaking to? You're speaking to Alex Stoddard. Ah, hi, Alex. No, of course. Yes. Hi, how our, are you? Um, very good, thanks. Our um, podcast supporter um, from SAX. Thank you very much for calling in. How are you doing this evening? Not too. I'm still in the Saks office dealing with a member's case right now, so it's been a very busy day. So I'd say that's a little bit more than a nine-to-five, then. Uh, yeah, we tend to work six or seven days, just depending on what, what, what member workload. But 
a lot of the work we do by nature of, of the um, inquiries tends to be done in the evenings anyway, so it's, it's usually a good place to be if you fancy a curry or a pizza. The sack's <laughs> office is quite busy at, at night, so Swing there we go. Yeah, but uh, can you actually a get busy, a curry? Quite busy year round, so um, a lot of member cases, a, a, a heck of a lot of them, farms licensing queries and licensing support cases. So it's been it's been a manic manic year. We're hoping for a very quiet end to the year, but it hasn't uh, uh, hasn't uh, 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 been true. And we, we've we've been busy right the way through until now. Just uh, for those people who aren't aware of what SACs do, you know, what has your last 12 months been taken up with? Oh, good heavens. Where um, to start, I suppose, would be the, the where hardest Where to start? Well, because we are, represent people that hunt, shoot, fish, rod, gun, rifle, ferret, dog, whatever, um, falcons, we, we, we have a very broad church, and we represent members across the whole of the UK, from Northern Ireland to Shetland to Cornwall, and uh, we obviously have a base in Scotland. We're known as the Scottish Association for Country Sports, but that's just the name. I think in terms of the nature of the work we do, we're definitely UK-wide. Um, this year, we've dealt with an awful lot of member cases, um, which is really the, uh, a lot of work that we do here at SACS is driven by personal member support. At one time, we had 78 live member support cases on at one time. Wow. And uh, that that really is very very hard work. But other than that, we, we do an awful lot of consultation work. Um, we work with all the various regional governments and UK government in terms of firearms licensing, wildlife law, legislative changes, that kind of thing. We consult uh, widely with other organisations. We we like to partnership work with others where we possibly can. And what we're driven by really is uh, our, our positive outcomes and the greater common good. So. In terms of consultations with government, obviously there's a few things going on right now. Uh, we we brought up air rifles earlier tonight. Yep. What's going to be happening with that next year for those people who are not quite up to speed? Right. A lot of that's still yet to be um, determined or, or rather published. Uh, we have a, a current bill that is due to come into force um, sometime next year. We believe that will be uh, April of next year. There are some rumours of delays in terms of the enactment of that, but uh, it's proposed that there will be a six-month six month lead-in time. Um, so from the date that the bill will become effective, um, shooters, air guns will have around six months to actually um, comply with the law. Okay. Um, the bill itself is, we believe, um, deeply flawed. Um, at heart, at foundation level, there's no need for it. I mean, it, clearly in Scotland we have sufficient laws in terms of um, misuse of guns of any kind, including reckless and culpable discharge of, of any gun, including the air gun. Um, so this will do nothing, um, in our view, uh, to um, remedy air gun misuse. If there was any element whatsoever of air gun misuse, that could very competently be addressed through training and information. Um, which would be far cheaper than uh, producing legislation. So this piece of legislation we don't believe is actually going to be effective, but it's coming in. Therefore, we have a duty of care to members to inform them of what's happening, to um, keep them abreast of, of, of the change and make sure that they are, are able to comply with the law. Um, it will affect everybody that owns air guns in Scotland, but it will also affect people who want to use air guns in Scotland or bring air guns into Scotland from further afield. 
and very much along the lines of a current firearm certificate, the test for um, competence or safety or whatever you want to, 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 to call it, to get to one, the hurdle will be something akin to a Disclosure Scotland check for working with children. So if you would be the kind of person that would be permitted to work with kids, i.e. no substantive criminal background, etc., then quite likely you would be deemed to be fit and, uh, 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 and trustworthy to have an air weapon in Scotland. We dislike the term weapon being used. Unfortunately, given the 68 Firearms Act, you know, that is actually a definition of firearm that's being used, the word weapon is used, and that's now transcribed itself across to the uh, Scottish Air Weapons uh, Bill as well. Unfortunate yeah. language, but the fact is that air guns are used uh, safely, competently by many people. We've got lots of air gunners at SACS. We thoroughly support what they do. Um, I've recently bought another air gun off one of the guys that called in recently. It's yeah, good to hear his voice. Um, Alex, I, I have an air gun you can buy if you want. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> as long as it's not too expensive, let me know. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, just it's just sprung into my mind right now because Daryl mentioned it to me the other day. It's slightly off topic from what we were talking about, but in a podcast a couple of uh, weeks ago, we were talking about lead ammunition and you know, the, the the discussion about banning lead ammunition in certain European countries and the possibility of that coming here. It's, uh, I, I just want to interject. If if anyone wants to listen to a, a very lengthy discussion on lead ammunition that we've talked about, uh, all you need to do is download our previous podcast on iTunes, YouTube, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. Just type in Pace Brothers Into the Wilderness. But carry on, Byron. Yeah, what I was going to ask, Alex, is that would... A lead ban, hypothetically speaking, affect air rifles because an air rifle pellet, as far as I know, apart from one type I remember when I was a kid, which was made of plastic, all air rifle pellets are lead because they fit the grooves of the barrel. Okay, um, you've got a couple of areas there. In terms of lead itself, you obviously have a food safety element that's, that's being discussed. Mm-hmm. Um, currently, there's an EU not really substantial, an EU review in terms of lead and and, and food. Uh, you've also got lead in the environment. Mm-hmm. And the current legislation that we have in Northern Ireland, Scotland, England and Wales, obviously England and Wales are slightly different to Scotland in terms of how that's enacted, that covers lead shot from shotguns. And um, it doesn't currently cover either lead core from uh, rifle bullets, centre for rifle bullets, two to rim for ammunition, and it doesn't cover... Um, any kind of air gun pellet. Um, would this affect air gun pellets? Short answer, I believe, is a yes, potentially, um, both in terms of um, you know, proposed food hygiene uh, standards and you know, lead poisoning from that, which we don't believe is actually um, irrelevant. Um, there's far more lead that we believe in the environment in terms of food and potatoes and rice and other types of, of, of produce, latent in, in, in this produce, than there is in, in lead from pellets or, or shot. Um, but we feel that the, there is a risk to uh, air gun shooting from this. There are some lead alternatives out there, and tin uh, as a couple of other derivatives of that alloys. I'm not entirely sure how well they work. Um, lead is obviously malleable. It works well at the speed that the air guns fire lead at. Mm-hmm. And it's malleable in the riflings. It's fairly accurate. Um, it would be overly restrictive, in my view, for there to be some form of air gun pellet restriction on lead. I think that's just stupid. I think we're getting into the realms now of um, 
uh, legislative um, silliness in terms of lead. We have SNH and Forestry Commission in Scotland currently using um, lead alternatives. We have uh, rumours from many of our members who, who, who work in that sector too, who, who are using lead alternative ammunition for, for deer control purposes, that it, it's not working well for them. Um, we also have a number of other people that say that actually in certain calibres and certain weights of bullet, it does work very well. There are many, many threats to shooting, both in terms of air gun shooting, rifle shooting, shotgun shooting in the future. The lead story is, is uh, very, very current. I don't think it's going to go away anytime soon. And we all need to be very uh, uh, conscious of, of, of what we're doing, both in terms of um, the message we're sending out and also um, a, 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 a response to some of the accusations from the antis in terms of lead. Mm -hmm. Just going uh, back to something we were discussing earlier, but I think you're in a really good position to be able to shed a bit more light on this, is, uh, Daryl brought it up actually, social media responsibility and the consequences of that. We've heard from a couple of people tonight who have you know, talked about the kind of things that you see on social media, but... There are equally consequences from the hunting side for things that we put on social media, and I'm guessing that you probably see that in your office from time to time. We see both the public um, posts that cause trouble, some of the private forum posts that cause trouble, and screenshots of private messages that get, get sent back and forwards. Sometimes they're between um, marital disputes or, 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 or spousal disputes, uh, for partners to fall out and there's this disagreement and stuff. And at times, unfortunately, firearms licensing gets dragged into that and uh, there are spurious allegations made. Uh, sometimes, unfortunately, allegations actually with some founding. The current um, social media platform for shooting is um, a real risk to us um, as a community um, and, and hunting as well and fishing too because some of the imagery that we're sending out to the wider public can be corrupted. The message it, it, it isn't consistent uh, and it can be corrupted. And we have to understand that it's not how we see things through our eyes or hear th things through our ears. We have to try and put ourselves in, in, in the shoes of those that don't understand what we do. People that do not come from our way of life. They have no empathy or understanding of, of what we do in the countryside with rifle, gun, fishing rod, ferret, falcon. It, it, it is a real challenge to all of us that there are certain elements in our, in our community that communicate a positive message in a very negative way. A good example is um, putting photographs up on social media of foxes with their brains scattered yeah, across the countryside. Yeah. Which, which we, were talked and, about, um, we talked about earlier today. <laughs> well, we, we all know, if you shoot a lot, you know what happens to a high-velocity bullet. It's, it, it, it's a skull, a fox's skull. It, it is... But it's an instantaneous death. So the positive message there is that you have a very humane way of killing the creature that needs to be controlled. You know, the, the government accepts that this creature has to be controlled. We do a very good job of that, and yet we send a very negative message by the way that we communicate that to wider public. And many of these forums, they may very well be private forums, but much of this gets screenshotted and passed around the antis as well. So we have to think about what we're doing. We have to think about the message that we're trying to communicate. And we all, whether we're a, a young person starting out, you know, 17 years of age with the first firearm certificate, all very exciting, to somebody in the you know, 72 years of age who I'm dealing with this evening or on a social media matter as well, 
um, we have to be very careful how we communicate, both to each other and the wider audience. There's also a lot of aggression in social media, and we have to be careful that um, things that we say aren't taken out of context. For example, if you send a message to one of your mates saying, ah, if you you do that to my girlfriend again, I'll take you outside and shoot you, then, you know, that may very well have been said in jest, an entirely innocent and just just bit of banter. But if you fall out with that friend, that friend may then use that against you in terms of firearms licensing. And we deal with the fallout from this pretty much every week in this office. Sometimes it's two or three at one time. And it seems to be corrupted messages, or messages that weren't really intended to be taken in a negative context, but because they were communicated badly, certainly have been. And remember that your firearms licensing team doesn't share your sense of humour. I'm not sure if you heard uh, the talk we were having with Sergio earlier where he was talking about um, the requirement to have more sort of formal testing for other aspects of hunting other than deer stalking in this country. I mean, I could understand where he was coming from in terms of making sure that people have an understanding of the quarry that you're hunting, although I, I did express the idea that I didn't think it was something we actually needed to have regulation in place for. But what's what's your take of that from a sort of SACS standpoint, Alex? Well, the, the, the SACS view is really tied into my view. I, I support the, the old SACS position here, which is that voluntary training of any kind is entirely adequate. There's a, there's a hunger and a thirst for that kind of training. And you see that when you, you go on deer stalking certificate one courses. And you've got people in front of you that are, are perhaps experienced and still learning, or their tyros are new to this and their eyes and ears are wide open. Everybody wants to absorb more information. And there's so much that's positive on the internet in terms of information. Um, YouTube videos, there's a great deal of, of educational stuff out there. So there's no excuse not to be well informed. Perhaps some of the information isn't done in the best way, but I think there's never been a better platform for educating yourself as there is now. Um, so I think there's already a latent hunger for information within the shooting and field sports community. That should be incentivized rather than legislated for. I see no requirement for any kind of mandatory testing at all whatsoever. And actually, if you if you just incentivize the voluntary element, you can make it far more interesting, far more engaging, and people actually want to go on the courses, not because they're getting wee badges and certificates at the end of the day, because every day that cliche is a school day, you always pick up something new. It's great to meet, meet new people in whatever area you, you, you're you working, deer stalking, terrier work, whatever. It's great to meet new folk, and um, you know it, it's great to, 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 to learn new things. So I think to incentivize the voluntary approach is far better than going down a mandatory route. I, I just want to interject there quickly, off topic completely. We are aware that there is a few people trying to get hold of us right now, and we will be taking one, maybe two more phone calls after this one, and then we'll have to wrap it up because we've... Because uh, everyone will need their bed. Yeah, everyone will need their, their bed. But the number is 0131-618-8885. You can join in on any topics that we've been discussing or a way to discuss. Also, if you need to get hold of us, podcast Into the Wilderness Facebook page. You'll be able to get hold of us there. Um, and uh, I think... W- what were we going to discuss next, Byron? Well, I thought just to kind of finish up, Alex, just because this has been in the yes, it's, 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 the ju- it's just come, it's just come 
back into social media. It's back on social media and it's in the news again. There was a big post about which this Which is uh, tail docking. And the stance that we have in this country and where it might go, the chances for changing the current um, legislation that we have in place, you know, why it was brought in in the first place and the detrimental effects to working dogs, which is really the focus here. Uh, there's a lot of... I think most of the exception that people took to tail docking was for aesthetic appeal for show dogs, but there is a real and requ- a real requirement for working dogs and a reason for it. And I, I think you're you're probably in quite a good position to shed light so, on that. So, well, so I'll just I'll, I'm just going to give you just a small amount of background inf- info. I've I only did a, a little bit of research. I've known about it, but from April 2007. Uh, the Animal Welfare Act basically forbid tail docking except in certain working dogs. And of course, in Scotland, it's banned completely. Um, It used to be able to be done by breeders, but now it has to be done by a vet, from my understanding. Uh, That's period across the UK. Well, south of the border. Yeah, south of the border, because you can't do it in Scotland. So, I mean, where where does um, where do you stand on that, Alex? And it, 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 will there ever be? Do you see a, a future where there'll be a movement where we can have it in working dogs? You know, for real reasons for for the health of dogs. Well, the, the, those of us that have working dogs know, know full full well that there's a real requirement for this. This is not some kind of made up um, uh, uh, thing that we want. That you know, there are some really serious animal welfare considerations in regard to the lack of tail docking in Scotland right now. And uh, unfortunately, in terms of terriers, there was never enough statistical evidence. Statistical base was so low for that even to be discussed properly. However, for spaniels, HPRs, and some mixed breeds, there is a real requirement for that to be looked at urgently. Um, I, I, I encourage anybody with an interest in this to um, have a look at the Facebook page, which is um, evidence to allow tail docking in working breed dogs in Scotland. I'll, I'll, I'll give you guys a link to put up on the actual your page right I, now. I, I actually have it in front of me right now. Oh, so you can stick I, that up, Dom. I shall. Yeah. I shall put that up for you. Yeah, fantastic. So, if people can engage with that, if you have any documentary evidence, photographs of your own dogs having tail damage, please put them up. Don't hold anything back. Photos, videos, any information. We work very closely with other organisations here. The, British Association for Shooting and Conservation in Scotland, Nicole Hamilton and um, Colin Shedden, they work very hard in this. Jamie Stewart at Scottish Countryside Alliance, Charlie Shentel there, Scottish Gamekeepers, um, Scottish Lions in the States. We're all very, very keen on um, driving forward change in legislation that will allow an exemption for at least HPRs and Spaniels. Mm. Um, The current position is not good. It's a disaster for animal welfare. We are aware that uh, Richard Lockhead, the um, Environment Secretary, actually understands this. uh, The the Secretary understands this. But um, uh, what we're looking at now is a new public consultation sometime soon. So it's it's gone to the RACID Committee, the Rural Affairs Committee. It's gone back to Richard Lockhead. He's now writing to them. There's a proposed um, public consultation going live soon, we believe, in regard to tail docking. The challenge there is that forever and a day, it will become a platform for the League Against Cruel Sports, the antis, to to, to say things about what we do that is untruthful. Uh, What we are interested in is evidence truth. We're interested in strong leadership 
objective decision-making, a government that will take decisions on behalf of the wider electorate, not just driven by political creed or urban ethos. And tail docking is a great example of where the Scottish government, if it actually pulls its finger out, can actually do some uh, very good things for animal welfare. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, if if everybody can really try and stand back from the issue and think objectively about it, why would anybody wanting to work their dogs for hunting want the tail docked unless it was, you know, for the, the health of that dog in terms of animal welfare? Because the actual having that bit of the end of the tail isn't going to make any difference to how well it hunts, but it will have a big impact on the welfare of that dog in the long term, um, or, or it could potentially do. So it's not for any other reason other than, you know, people who work their dogs love their dogs and that, you know, they want to take the best care of them. It is such a, 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 it is a major emotional trial to watch one of your dogs or dogs or friends go to a vet to have a tail amputated mm. or, or, or other remedial um, medical treatment because of tail damage. When um, a, 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 a vet, as a puppy, a, a wee snip, no pain, um, that can be sorted out at a very, very early age. Yeah. The, the, the chances of um, infection, pain, um, further uh, injury in the future are, are that much increased um, that there is a very, very strong case now for exemption. And we would really like the Scottish Government to show some leadership and make the right decision for animal welfare and not the wrong decision based on political creed. Yeah, no, we, we, we can only hope. I mean, maybe we can uh, just finish up with you, Alex. If you're looking forward into 2016, what do you see as uh, you know, one of the big challenges that, that you're going to face and shootings going to face as we go into next year? Okay. Well, you, if you can to, only pick one, I know there's so many, yeah. but if you can just pick one or even two. I can throw lots your way, but you, we, we obviously have um, uh, some big changes in licensing in the UK. Um, some positive changes and um, keep, keep logged into the SACS page with some updates. But we also have challenges in the EU firearms directive. And I think you might be covering semi-automatic weapons at some point we in, will be, in, yes. in the future. Um, so, yeah, in t- there's a lot of miscommunication there, but the current proposals are negative in regards to shooting in the UK, so we're watching that very closely and very much involved. Um, you also have major issues now in terms of wild fisheries, um, lead ammunition, uh, community buyouts, land reform in Scotland. You've got some major changes in Northern Ireland where you have um, a, a substantially increased movement of antis and that's affecting hunting with dogs and all sorts of other things over there. So we face challenges. I think at heart, okay, if you choose one thing at heart, I think we have to go down to the fact that um, society has changed, and people are now further and further removed from the countryside they originally came from. Their understanding and empathy with the countryside and countryside people is low, and um, I think sometimes we're guilty of really poor communication in that regard. But we face a really big challenge going forward in terms of the work that we do and, and, and communicating a message to a wider audience. And for clarity, we sponsor you know, this podcast and these other podcasts and some films, but we have no involvement in editorial, directorial, otherwise. Yeah, I mean, it's, a complete, like, you know, it's an open forum for discussion. And we fully support the way that you're communicating a message to people that maybe don't hunt, shoot and fish, people that don't come from that background. And that's where we really need to start engaging. It's not enough to engage with ourselves. 
we have to communicate with people outside of our kin. Yeah, that's and uh, that's a challenge for the future. Well, thank you very much thank for coming you very on, much. Alex. Really appreciate My it. My pleasure. And, uh, okay. Have a good evening. All the best. Bye now. Bye-bye. Well, I think we have time for maybe one more caller, but we are going to delve straight into the next topic. If you want to join in or know something about this next topic, which is, in fact, the John Muir Trust. It is. That's what we're going on to, is it? Yeah, well, you've got it in your hand. No, I did. Okay, I, was, I didn't realize this is what we were going on to next. No, okay. well, th- this, is, this has come up in the, the very, very recent few weeks, and... Um, Barnes actually holding my piece of paper. Which well, I'll give it to you since you you highlighted it. Well, I I highlighted it. So, what has been brought to the forefront is, I mean, this is this is straight from the Telegraph website. So I'll read you the the title, and um, as with all things, uh, titles are always a bit more. Um, I don't know. They make it more sensationalist. Yeah, sensationalist titles. Um, but I guess this is quite bad. Um, wilderness charity accused of, um, of slaughter of red deer. I mean, that, that, that was it. I mean, the 86 stags were shot in Noidart and left to rot. That, that's the basis of this discussion. That and we, we were actually just looking across the water to Noidart just a week ago from Sky. Now I'm going to just leave, I'm just going to read you, um, an extract from the John Muir Trust, uh, website and their deer management policy and then we'll go into what happened what happened there and try and figure out what went wrong basically so this is straight from their website you can go on and this is their first policy protect we campaign to keep wild places free from inappropriate development and open for all to enjoy enhance we work to restore natural habitats and native species to help nature flourish Connect, we help people of all ages and backgrounds to connect and enjoy and care for wild places. Now, I think you know, we're definitely going to come back to this at a later date because it, it warrants longer than we now have yeah, in this podcast. because we, we are running out of time. And I'll, I'm just going to briefly go into the John Muir Trust Deer Management Policy. Uh, just very quickly, native wild deer, particularly red deer, are an integral part of the wildland ecosystems. They bring economic and employment benefit from tourism, venison, stalking. This is the first line. I don't think you can actually see there, but this is literally the first line from their deer management policy. So the opening line. Yeah, so that does beg the question then. Why would you leave? Why would you, Do leave? you actually have the number since I got it's, it wrong earlier? It's 86. 86. They left 86, 86 stags on the hill to rot. That I mean, the pictures are all there. If you go on the Telegraph, you don't actually have to go on the Telegraph. There is, there is, it's all over the place. I think that the SGA really did share this quite a bit. Yeah, and I um, think they did. Yeah. Uh, about so, do you know? I, I I've been thinking about this a lot since it came out, and I was actually speaking to my cousin, um, who I know listens into our podcast about this. He's involved in land management up north, and we were discussing this, and he actually had a a slightly different point of view on this than me um i you know the idea of leaving good meat and carcasses and culling you know a vast number of animals and obviously that's what's been found i have nothing to back this up but you would suggest that if it's been done once it's probably been done at some point in the past and it hasn't been found but that's me guessing is that so his point was that if they're managing that ground for tree regeneration and you know the rewilding process, which is another topic which we won't bring up today, but will be part of another it's on, podcast. It's on the board, it's on the board but we've run out, <laughs> we're of time. out of time. 
And it is not economically viable because of the terrain. I mean, Noidart is a vast place and it's very rugged. If it's not economically viable to extract those carcasses, then what is wrong with shooting them and leaving the bacteria to do its thing? And, I mean, it did make me stand back a bit and uh, and think about it. And it, it is a really good question to put out there. And maybe people listening to that can have a think about it. And we can bring it up when we bring it up again, uh, when we actually do a, a more extended podcast on this, we uh, can revisit it. But I'll just bring in, I mean, obviously you're saying leave it and, you know, and it goes basically. The this e- is what the, he was saying the, to the, me. Yeah, yeah no, I, I do understand. The eagles will eat it. It'll go back into nature. 86, I mean, it's not particular. I mean, they, they want to promote people walking in the countryside. I wouldn't particularly like walking past 86 dead deer. No. Um, and they're also, they're, they're opening. And, and the value of the venison well, rotting this on the is hill. It. Their opening line of they bring economic and employment benefit from tourism, venison and stalking. Now, the estimated amount, once again, this is from the Telegraph, uh, uh, article, so I'm just reading it from here. Is the estimated amount of potential income was around about a hundred thousand pounds, which would well, that, that'll take into account the stalking, the stalking fees, and accommodation, the, and the, the value the meat, of the meat, which yeah. would probably be about right actually. I think with eighty six deer, depending on yeah, what, yeah, I mean, what, depending on the quality. Um, so you can't really say that it's bringing, ec- you know, they bring economic benefit if you're just going to leave them to rot, and. I think that you could probably justify going, well, we left some out there to, you know, go back into nature to be eaten if there was a few few of them. A a good example of that, actually, is uh, in Harris. When I was in Harris a couple of years ago, uh, they actually have a quota for culling red deer on the hill and leaving them for the eagles, which you brought up earlier. And they specifically do that to provide food for young eagles. They do it at a particular time of year where they're searching for food and they've not that long fledged. And that makes that makes perfect sense. It, may, it makes sense to help that species on its way by by doing that. You know, there's a justification for it. But you know, that, the vast number of deer that were, were shot there, there were there are a lot of questions that have been raised, and, so, and so, rightly so. Apparently, some had their haunches removed and found beheaded where they fell. Well, I mean, that might suggest that some of the meat's been taken off if the haunches have been removed. Yeah, maybe does. What for? For the trophies? Trophy, I don't perhaps. know. I mean, I'm, I don't know. I'm raising questions yeah, here I, that I, I don't have the answers we, to. We but. don't have the the answers to all these. I mean, it does say here the justifications, the trust actions could not be justified by food for eagles. This was, in fact, Sir Patrick Grant, chairman of Noidart Deer Management Group, talking mm-hmm. talking about that. Now, just quickly, we have time for one more caller. The phone has actually been going nuts before, and now it's gone gone quiet. We're I think lo- everyone's gone to everyone's bed. Everyone's gone to bed. Uh, it's 0131. 618-8885 please get involved we have time for one more caller and then we'll be calling it a night because I think this has been quite successful for our first live event and I think it's gone pretty well but uh, what we will do I think in the meantime is because I, I really want to play another track just because it kind of makes me feel like a DJ so okay well so we'll play I'll, another track well, you but can we talk are, while we are, I'm w- gonna look we're watching so if you are if you do want to phone in phone in we'll interrupt the track we don't mind that and we will take your call and you will be the final person for the night and are we going to play another Alex track? Or are we going to play? Yeah, no, we're going to play another Alex, another track, Alex track just because it's in front of me. Oh, okay. And also, I like Alex's music. So please get in touch. Oh one three one six one eight 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 five. I'm going to go and get another drink because I'm very thirsty. And uh, we are away to wrap up for the night. But we've got time for one more call. Um, and I hope everyone has enjoyed so far. It's really big thank you to all those yeah, people who've ve- taken the very, time to watch. Very big thank you for the people that have been staying on. And we've had people, you know. New York. <laughs> We've made it big time. I, 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 I never thought we'd make it to America tonight, I have to say. Yeah. 
I was just I, I thought it was just gonna be my mom and dad watching. <laughs> I don't think they are. No, I don't <laughs> think they are. Which is which is horrifying. If you tell our dad, that's probably because of our internet, though. To be yeah, fair. well, rural internet. That's another issue. Luckily, we have the satellite beaming beaming internet into our into our house here. Um, not due to uh, we wanted it. It's the only option. Yeah. Uh, but we're gonna play you another track. Please call, and uh, we'll get in. In we'll get. Well, we'll speak to last you. Last person. Yeah. Last we'll person, chat. and we'll chat about whatever you want to chat about or or we'll decide i don't know here we go this is called the hunt if it plays see as soon as byron gets involved it stops working i haven't touched it And we will be back very, very shortly. I'm lost out in the wilderness with just the hope that I might find what I came for. You see, I'm searching for. Mark, I've, uh, I'm just interrupting this track. I've just got your messages on, uh, on Facebook, and, and you're bringing up some very valid points. I think you should call him. But I'm going to go for now, and uh, I'm going to. Uh, Mark, you know who you are, so I'm going to go and get a drink. And that was our final track for the night. That was. Oh, oh no. no. <laughs> what have you done? This is a good track, too. Ah, okay. 
So, sorry about that. We we let it we we let it. Car- we're not actually DJs, so we, <laughs> we we have a board in front of us, but we don't actually know what we're, what we're really doing with it. I don't know which buttons to press. <laughs> um, I don't know if Mark is gonna call in. He's uh, he follows us on. We don't really know Mark, but he follows us on Facebook, and he, he's a big uh, Twitter fan of ours, which is great, and we really appreciate his comments. But he did bring up a point, just in case he's not gonna phone in, is that in the states. And yeah. not just the States, New Zealand. New Zealand, yeah, no, New Zealand, absolutely. It's very much appropriate there. Which I have been to and witnessed it. Yeah, so and my, my one cousin is there right now. In fact, he is going hunting next week with a Howard rifle that he has just bought because we were talking about it the other night and he was asking me, he was just telling me about the YouTube videos he'd watched about packing out meat. Uh, and it's Sorry, I just want to put uh, Josh James Kiwi Bushman. Oh, yeah. Coolest um, man on the planet. If if you go on YouTube, just type in Josh James Kiwi Bushman. That guy has great videos on YouTube on everything. He literally he does everything from like bushcraft, making bows, arrows, hunting, and uh, in serious terrain. Uh, yeah, in serious New Zealand terrain, as you can imagine, it's it's like here. I mean, I went to New Zealand. It it's, it looks Wait, like Scotland. Oh, hang on, we got I, a call. Oh, we got in. a call. Hello, welcome to the Interwilderness Podcast. Who are we speaking to? Now that it's Mark. Oh, oh Mark, Mark, you have phoned in. Brilliant. Well, I'll follow it up the best, too. No, uh, yeah, so... Well, well, we did call you out. We said, yeah. Mark, you, you got a call. <laughs> so, uh, well, I'll tell you what, just fire straight off. We were kind of talking about what you were about, what you had messaged us with. I mean, just, just tell us what you were saying about, you know, terrain and, you know, the different countries and how they man- managed to make it work. Yeah, well, that's it. I mean... So, in, Mark, Mark, Mark can, the, I, can I just stop you there? Is there any chance that you can turn off us in the background? Because we get an echo otherwise. Yes, that's what I just did. Uh, thank Perfect. you, thank you very much. It's just really strange listening to ourselves three times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, basically what it is is when you look at the terrain in the US, for example, um, and you, you watch a lot of videos by US hunters and stuff, they're trekking for hours and hours whereby you know they they shoot the deer but they pack it all out generally on foot you know where they're walking potentially two or three hours to get back to a vehicle and they're having to make several trips forwards and backwards yet they still manage to pack all this meat out and they don't leave anything to waste yeah you know it's it's a really good point that i mean their, their whole ethos behind in hunting there is very different to us and in fact for you to get a, a tag for some of those animals that they hunt, one of the requirements of that tag is that you take every single bit of meat out. You cannot; It's a legal requirement. You cannot leave it out in the mountains. I mean, they, yeah. I, if you look at guys there who are kind of well-known, Joe, Joe, another podcaster, actually, Joe Rogan, he's... He does a lot of UFC stuff, but he's also a big hunter. <laughs> uh, he's a he's a really cool character, if not controversial. He's definitely worth checking out if you if you like podcasts. Joe Rogan, um, Cameron Haynes is another one. Yeah. I mean, he's uh, he kind of takes it to the the extreme of being the ultimate predator. In fact, he made a well, it was uh, Brandon Shockey made a, a like promo trailer called The Ultimate Predator yeah. Yeah. with him. And that was really cool because basically what he was saying is, if you're going to do something, be the best at it. And he does ultra, you know, he's he a does super Iron fit Man kind of athlete. Yeah. But the whole point behind the reason why I bring him up is that there's quite a lot of footage of them, you know, doing these extreme hunts miles away from anywhere, being dropped in by plane and then hiking for days and days out. And they do exactly what you've just said. They cut the whole thing out 
and they backpack it out. And it could take two, three, four trips. I mean, we're talking about animals. Elks. Yeah. Well, yeah, that are way bigger than anything we've got in this country. And yet they still yeah. manage to do it. So I guess, you know, that was your point with, uh, you know, the John Muir Trust. Well, that's it. I mean, I've watched Travis Schneider stuck in the rut, um, you know, and he's he's made three, four, maybe even five trips back to an elk that is shot to pack all the meat out. You know, and these are like two-hour trips, you know, mm. going forwards and backwards, yet he's done it. So I can't see why, um, you know, why terrain in this country would be an issue. I mean, Tim Burnett, a solo hunter, he has quite a good ethos whereby he says that if you can't carry it out on your back, Don't carry you. it out on your stomach. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just stay <laughs> out there. I, I, have to consume it. I, I like I, that. I like that. I, I haven't heard that one before, but I like that. And just to add to packing out, me and Byron have, in fact, in our series, been doing exactly that. We've been walking it out, and I've not had to walk one out yet, and I will be. Yeah, that's and because you're shooting the next three, <laughs> so you're going to be walking them out. And it, it, it is hard. It is hard work. There's no two ways about it. It is bloody hard work walking an animal out on our terrain bear in mind uh, the terrain that we have been on the last week or so um on the isle of sky has been horrendous it's been wet you know just walking has been without anything has been pretty hard but in especially new zealand and and countries like that i would say they're more extreme i mean those guys are hardcore i i saw something with josh james the other day and he carried a wetsuit with him so that when he was carrying whatever it was that he was carrying back, he could put his wetsuit on to cross the glaciated, glaciated water <laughs> from the river to take his animals across. I mean, we just don't do that here. I mean, no. most people, they won't shoot animals in an area that is a hard extraction. Now, that's actually quite smart <laughs> if you think about it. But on, on the other hand, you know, there are some places in this country which are really, really tough to get to. Yeah, you they just, are. You can't take an Argo there. You could Most places you can get a pony. A pony, there, yeah. But there isn't a pony in all these places. Uh, yeah, and no, definitely. Yeah, but we, we kind of have a different mindset. We just we don't shoot something there. Whereas in America, they shoot it, they cut it up, they put it in backpacks, and they take it home. Whereas very no one's really doing that here. And I, I, I don't really know why. I don't know. Maybe it's just a culture thing. Maybe. I don't know. What do you think, Mark? Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure. I, I think possibly with America, because they have the tag system whereby it costs you money to purchase a tag or to put in for a tag, whether you get it or not, I think they spend a lot of time putting in the groundwork to try and fill that tag because if they don't fill it by the end of that season, then that's it, the tag's gone, the money's gone, they don't get it back. Yeah. You know, I mean, I've looked into the American tag system and, and trying to get tags and, and things like that when I was thinking about maybe going over. Um, but it's a case of, if I was going over, I'd go to a dedicated outfitters and do it that way. And, and, otherwise they, you've got, and they've applied for because, tags themselves with the outfitter. Yeah, yeah. They, they put in for the tag. They've got a certain number of tags, so therefore they can offer you this hunt or this hunt or whatever it is that you want. Uh, and you don't have to do anything other than turn up, go out, shoot the animal, and everything else is taken care of. Whereby, in this country, because, all right, you may be paying for a guided stalk and to go out and stuff like that, but it's it's not the be-all and end-all, you know, whereas you've got such a small window of opportunity 
yeah. um, to, to go for it. That it's, I, I think it's, it is like you say, it's just, it's a completely different ethos and it's a completely different mindset. In fact, when I messaged earlier on regards the hunting and shooting programs that they have on TV over there. Yeah, I, I, got, I got your message and um, basically Mark messaged early on saying, why is it basically uh, that in America, not just America, I think New Zealand might have one, they have dedicated channels, so the outdoor channel um, and so on, dedicated hunting channels, that's that's literally all they do, I mean, you have uh, radio shows as well, I mean, you just you have to just go on, tune in radio, Montana, Byron listens to it, Mon- e- Eagle Country Radio, and, and one they- of the best radio stations on this planet, and, and their adverts have uh, fishing reports. They're going to tell you what's hatching yeah. that day, the temperature of the water, the water height, where you can buy the latest, uh, where the latest deals on rifles are. It's awesome. If you're, in, <laughs> if you're into hunting at all, listen to Eagle Country Radio uh, Montana. Uh, you know, and, and they, they just really push it. You know, dedicated channels to hunting, dedicated radio stations for it, adverts for it everywhere. I don't think you'll ever see it in this country. Well, I would like to hope that you're wrong, but I yeah, no, I think it's going to be a really hard slog to see it. Yeah, I, I yeah, I, I I don't know. It's it's one of these it's one of these these things. I think there is enough people to warrant it. I mean, you 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 probably find that more people watch hunting YouTube programs in the UK than they watch X Factor. Maybe now. Yeah. Now I'm talking not X Factor when it started. X Factor now. You've really yeah. lowered the tone, eh, Mark? Has he not lowered the tone? Uh, bringing sorry, X Factor sorry, into I, the I, podcast. I didn't, I didn't mean to. Uh, I didn't mean to bring X Factor into this. No, but you know, somebody had to. <laughs> but, uh, no, I, I've, I've been, I think as, as well. It's things like with the manufacturers. They produce hunting programs and stuff themselves over there for the Sportsman's Channel. Yeah, they do. Yeah, you know and. Winchester Deadly something, whatever it's called. Winchester Deadly Passions. Uh, you know all of it. The only reason you know that is because Melissa Buckman's one of their one of their people, isn't it? We'll not get into that. Although <laughs> I did, I did actually message Melissa this evening to uh, let her know that you were going to be on and that you were actually wanting to talk to female oh, hunters and different bits and pieces. Uh, but obviously, whether she got the message in time or not, I don't know. I can't say. But, um, yeah, it was that that's whole sort of thing whereby you do, you have the Winchester Deadly Passion, you've got the manufacturers like Primos that mm. do the truth about hunting and stuff like that. And it, it's all, you know, such a massive thing over there. Uh, you know, and I, I think in this country, I think we're missing out on, on, a, on a massive thing, you know, whereby it, it could be really good, it could take off. It's just there's not really anybody doing it. Yeah, it's you know it's a hard thing, and you know there are there are a couple of people trying to do things a bit differently now. There are, there but are. It, it's it's trying to get it in front of the right places. I mean, you take take this podcast for example. You know, the one that we've been doing, we've been really, really, you know, happy and uh, with the support that we've got, and we can't thank the people who actually listen to the podcast enough. Literally, literally thousands. Uh, yeah, it we, is thousands. We are, we are in the thousands. If you now. think about the amount of people who hunt in this country and the kind of messages and the debate that's being had. It should really be more because these yeah. are the exact debates that we need to get in the in the public domain. And we try and do them yeah. in a way that, you know, it's not, you know, you know, guns and ammo and ballistics and technical stuff all the time. And we don't really t- touch on that at all. It really is the hard topics. And we we do want to get on 
the show, some people who do have that opposite opinion. It, it, funny enough, it is actually quite difficult to get them to come on. Um, but, you know, we, we're trying to balance it as much as we can. But we really need, even though we've had some the most amazing support from people, you know, from mainly from the shooting world, but not, not everybody, but mainly from the sort of hunting world, we need more because the more you've got, the more chance you have of getting these discussions like we've had tonight out there. And if you can get it out to yeah. the public, then you have a chance w- w- of winning. Which all our podcasts are. They're all available to the public yeah. on, on many, many platforms. And people are listening. Um, yeah. we, we, we are aware that there was a few upset people when it was just a, a banner on YouTube and it was just it was just, uh, it was just talking. And we are aware of that. And we are going to be... We are, we're always trying to improve. Um, you know, I mean, admittedly, they just called it shit. But, um, <laughs> I mean, to put it bluntly, they did. But... Uh, we are trying to improve, so from now on, we're going to be filming, like uh, you know, recording our podcast to make it a bit more interesting. The only reason why we actually put it on YouTube is just so more people can listen. Just another, platform. another platform to listen, but iTunes is our biggest platform. That's where we get the 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 thousands of people downloading, which is very very nice. Thank you for everyone that has downloaded so far to all our podcasts. Yeah. That's it. It's like my brother, you know. Like I know he messaged you earlier. Yes, uh, he did. Yeah, and said you know that he's listening while he's at work, sort of between deliveries and things, uh, you know, but he sort of puts thing across tonight whereby there's not been a massive amount of people viewing it, but there will be a hell of a lot of more people downloading it. Yeah, there will, because, yeah. Right. Because obviously people may be at, actually at work now and they haven't got time to sit and actually watch it all and, and mm. take part in it like that, but obviously it's it's early doors. It's the first time you've done this live phoning. And so it's it's obviously only going to get better as as more people sort of pick up on it and get their opinions across and think yes we can actually phone in. Um, I mean I I tried to get my cousin to phone in because he's an auntie, um, you know. So I tried to get him to phone in, but he said well he doesn't know who you are, <laughs> so he would feel a bit out of out of place, you know, and a bit out of his comfort zone ringing in and trying to talk about something. Which only goes to show that he absolutely knows nothing whatsoever about what he's talking about, um, because otherwise you would feel that he'd be prepared to ring in and, and fight his case, you know, and, and stand his ground. Yeah, look, I mean, we we when we do this again, and we you know we won't do it again for the next podcast, but we'll do it again at some point. Yeah, in the we, future, we definitely will. Um, to give we, everybody we, we, a little we bit would of a never break. make someone feel uncomfortable. No, because we oh. genuinely want to hear people's opinions, whether we agree with them or not. We want people we, to be able to we express won't get, because we won't get bit. angry with you. No, we're not going to shout. We're not going to shout. We're not going to do we're what the the aunties do to poor little fifteen year old kids on, on Facebook. That's not what we're about. No, but thank you very but, much for calling. We are going to have to wrap this up, yeah. uh, unfortunately, because we, we have completely run out of time. But uh, Mark, you, I, I'm sure you will be listening next time. And when we come up with other topics next time, message us as you, you yeah, have as, been as doing because it's doing. great support, and we hope to have you on again because it's been great. Yeah, no worries. I will do, definitely. Okay. okay. So, good night. Good night. Thank right. you. Have a good evening. See you later. Well, that will be our, our final call of the evening. We uh, we haven't even covered half our board. I, I don't... I don't even think, no, not even half. I don't even think we've covered a quarter, but it doesn't matter because uh, the point is people have called in, people have talked about what they wanted to talk about, and that really was the key. Um. So I mean we're we're gonna we're gonna finish up here, but 
for everyone that's listening, we've had a huge discussion tonight on various various different things. This will be available on YouTube um, basically from now, I think. As soon as we finish it. Yeah, we've never done this before. so I, I think, think it'll I, be live. I think it's live as soon as we finish it. So you can go back and watch. Uh, we're also going to make it into a downloadable podcast because we are actually recording it as well, just the audio version. Uh, so you should be able to get that. And you can get that on iTunes... Uh, you can get it on Stitcher for Android phones. It also works on Apple phones. Um, SoundCloud as well, which isn't a downloadable version. It's just you can a- download it actually. Can you? Yeah, you can, but I think it's not nice. It's not friendly on your phone. So it doesn't hug you. Can you. Download- it doesn't hug you. It doesn't hug you. <laughs> you is can that what download you're it on your computer if you really wanted to. Oh, okay. Well, anyway, you can listen on SoundCloud. It's uh, we always have the links up. But if you head to podcast into the wilderness. Uh, that is where we're trying to aim to put all our podcast stuff because there's so much stuff we're trying to not clutter because our, our pace brothers into the wilderness is really going to be the series the, our, which our we talked show about a little bit tonight yeah our show which we are in the process of filming and editing um and the pace brothers into the wilderness page will be solely dedicated hopefully just to that show especially when it launches and then the, uh, we, you know we've got over a thousand people on that page so thank you very much for everyone that's liked it so far um and the podcast page was only launched two weeks ago or three weeks yeah. ago and that was solely just so that we weren't cluttering your news feed on our other page with stuff that you you might not necessarily like our podcast uh but please download it you can listen to all of the the backdated ones um we the one in particular i want you to listen to it's nothing to do with hunting at all it's um it's antarctic endurance a good friend of mine chris cunningham is is sailing off to the Antarctic very shortly to follow in Shackleton's footsteps. So it would be much appreciated if you went on their Facebook page and just check them out. It's going to be yeah, one, give them some one truly epic adventure. It's the Royal Navy, Royal Marines that are uh, doing this expedition. And uh, hopefully he'll like that. I've given him a shout out because I, I didn't actually tell him I was going to do this. But honestly, head to their Facebook page. They're going to be on one epic adventure. And we are all about adventure and hunting and countryside and everything that, that goes that goes with it. Yeah, thank you very much for everybody thank, who's been watching yeah, tonight. Th- thank you, everyone that's listening tonight, and we, we hope you enjoyed. We we, uh, we do hope you enjoyed. Please, we've enjoyed it. We've enjoyed. We have actually enjoyed it. And please, if you've watched the show, comment on our page. Give us a yeah, like. Yeah, that really helps. It really Let does. Let us know what you like. Let what us you know don't what you like. like. What you don't like. The only way we can improve is by letting us know. And it's it's the same with our our podcast. I am going to wrap this up very quickly. I know you're just rattling yeah. on, man. It's the same with our our podcast. We have thousands of people downloading, and I'm assuming they're liking it because they're downloading the next episodes. But we get very little feedback from it. We do get some. Uh, so please yeah. let us know. Let us know what's 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 going Even on. Even if it's just to say good. Yeah, just one word. Yeah, that would and, be enough. And or if, if you don't it, like it, tell us so we know what to do better. Yeah, know, know what to do better. And also, if you download on iTunes, could you please just give us a review? Oh, yeah, that really helps because that, that bumps it up and then that makes it means that it's going to be in front of the public. And that is what all of this is about, getting it in front of the public. And I think that's us. That's it. Thank, Thank you very much. much. Good Goodbye. night. Thank you very much for listening to the last of our live uh, show podcast. I really enjoyed doing that live show and we will be doing another one at some point where people can call in because it was remarkably successful. Yeah, it was it was really great to hear from the people who listen and from and, all over the world. We did. America. Yeah. No, Someone called was... in from New York. How cool is that? Colin? 
I know you listen to our podcast. Yeah, you're. In fact, does Colin not follow us on Instagram too? He does as well. So, Colin, we're giving you another shout out. Thank yeah. you very much. Yeah, for taking the time to call yeah. all the way over from New York. Um, we are going to be at the British Shooting Show on the weekend of the. I'm looking at the calendar right now. Um, it is in February. It's the twelfth. Yes, twelfth, thirteenth, fourteenth. So over three days. Yeah. Um, you will see us wearing black shirts with our faces on the back. And our and series. Pace Brothers yep. on, on our chest. Uh, we'll be on the Fortis and... Vortex. Vortex stand. Yep. Um, so so you talk hello. about the podcast. We're yep. going to be... We're going to have we, a we launch. We would love our, it. We'd yeah. love to get some feedback on the podcast if you enjoy it and if you want things talked about. Come and say... We're not going to just be at the British Shooting Show, so don't worry. It's not going to be the only time of year that you... You, you could maybe say, say hello to us. We will be at other shows throughout the year, but obviously this is the first one of the year, so we're going to be there. And also it's our big series launch. Yeah, it is the, the premiere of our online series, Into the Wilderness. So there's going to be a screen there and you're going to be able to, to watch it along with along with the trailers. And yeah, it, it'll just it'll be good. So if you want to know what we've been up to apart from the trailer that's already on youtube and you need to go and check that out if you haven't seen it already uh then come to the british shooting show because we won't be putting that up for quite a while so that's going to be that's going to be the big premiere indeed it will be well thank you very much for listening to the show don't forget that the show is out normally once every two weeks with the exception of next week which uh which we've already explained at the beginning uh, and it's normally out on a Thursday for everyone that listens, well, downloads on iTunes and Stitcher, which is nearly everybody. And then on SoundCloud and YouTube, it's out for everyone else on the Friday. Thank you for listening. And we look forward to doing the next live podcast in a month or two's time. Yeah, hopefully. Bye for now.